people will still come to that page, even if if it's to a lesser extent. But at a certain time of year, people might come to it more. So there's going to be life in every single piece of content that you have, and it's a matter about how you maximize that value and provide that value every day to them. Digital newsrooms of all shapes and sizes face a lot of the same problems. Some newsrooms have answers. Those solutions aren't always being shared out across the industry. What can we do to change that? I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Vahe Arabian is the founder of the State of Digital Publishing, an online resource designed to help people to navigate the complexities of digital publishing. He's also the host of a podcast that has a very similar mission to ours. Welcome to the podcast, Vahe. Hey, Michael. How's it going? It's going great. And uh, we, we sort of started this conversation because you reached out to us and to want to know whether we wanted to have a segment about digital tools. And I guess that's, you know, what your podcast and uh, your website, State of Digital Publishing, is about. So how did you get interested in digital publishing to start with? Just during my university days, I did an internship at a startup publisher, which is now one of the largest financial comparison sites in Australia. And I saw how they they were just most predominantly using SEO, organic search back in those days, but now they're obviously much bigger, so they've got a bigger team. And I saw the potential... I saw the potential of reaching a wider audience around educating someone around finance and a better specific topic. So I had that passion since then. I was very interested in doing this instance, but I first started off in SEO and eventually decided I wanted to broaden my skill set and I came back to digital publishing and I thought I can look at that and also just general technology and audience development for digital, digital media publishers. Okay, now you say you started out in SEO, search engine optimization. What was that job? Mostly agency, helping small business to medium business with their organic search, helping them grow their traffic leads and just with their content strategy. Yeah, and we've talked about SEO on the podcast before. You know, that's something that the the digital publishers kind of need to be mindful of, you know, how you can make your stories perform well in search. So what inspires you to launch the State of Digital Publishing? I came back to the passion and then I just realized back in early 2017, 2016, when there was a lot of conversation around uh, fake news and the, and the fact that a lot of publishers were still relying on Facebook and Google as their main traffic source and, and were being very platform-driven, that it's time that, that to see other approaches in actually growing the audiences. And, and I just saw a big gap still in organic search. And, and I saw that there was a lot of um, lack of focus on tech and new media. So I thought that was the time that I can look at exploring different models in helping other publishers to grow their audiences. And you know, it was, it's been a process for me since then. So I first looked at creating a specific training platform and I've been constantly speaking with publishers over time. First, I looked at a training platform. Then I looked at a community only. And then I thought, I went back to my instinct and said, okay, I need to develop an online publication and community because I think that's the hybrid and a subscription model is the approach to take. I was going to ask you about your subscription model, the the website. I mean, you do have content that's available for anybody just visiting a site, but what is it you're offering in your, your subscription side? Subscription is more researched, featured pieces. So looking at a specific topic and then going back to see why that topic was, it is where it is today. So for example, if you look at 
the Spotify versus Pandora's journey to, to, to and looking at where they are today, going back and and seeing why they they are today where they are. So, and, and for example, looking at Pandora and seeing how they're more advertiser driven and and more trying to do take a freemium model versus Spotify, where they're trying to take a more personalized approach and develop the inventory and content, okay. stuff like that. And in addition to other contributors' opinions and perspectives, and also just evergreen pieces of resources like. A Reddit for newsrooms guide, more evergreen spaces like that, where it's, it takes a lot more time and a lot more detail to explain a topic. Why do you think it's so? You know, everybody seems so confused and trying to figure these things out for themselves, and and there do seem to be resources. But you know, why do you think it is that everything seems so so hard to learn and and hard to figure out? First of all, it's not properly disseminated. Even larger organizations like the Guardian or the bigger organizations, even though they have a dedicated R&D department, it's not being spread effectively. You still see other departments within the same company, not across what the initiatives of what another department's doing. I think that's the most. That's the first thing, and the second thing is um, it is still event-driven our industry, and having a network is valuable. So I think not having a dedicated online resource that you can come back to is, is what's missing also. I definitely agree with that. I mean, obviously, you know, part of the rationale behind our podcast is to sort of all of these topics is something that we can all sort of talk about and, and learn about together. The fact that there is no sort of central repository and, you know, quite often a lot of these products and strategies are, are developed by companies in-house and are very effective for them. And, you know, I think there's a willingness to a degree for some designers and developers to share some of this information. I mean, that's why you have platforms like GitHub where people put up code and, and et cetera to share. A couple of years ago, I had the the opportunity to sit in on a presentation by some of the developers at the Washington Post, and they had all of these tools that they had developed in-house to help their own reporters and editors, you know, update their content on the web and and, you know, better optimize it. And they were just trying to figure out, you know, well, could this be a product that we could share out there? How could we, you know, share this with other people? How could we monetize it, For, as a matter of fact? So I think that there's there's a lot of this information that's behind walls. There are places like GitHub where, in our, you know, on my podcast and your podcast, where, you know, some of these ideas have sort of come out in the open and, and people talk about them. But it would be great to have a, a central repository for them. Absolutely. And, and for my podcast as well, Michael, I really like focusing on more of the startup area because I see the innovation and potential of new ideas coming from there. It's more challenging to speak with larger, the larger end, like the Washington Post, only because they, you have to go through the communications department and they won't be as open and transparent with you on their struggles and, and learnings. And I do still speak with those type of people as well, but I, I just find that the startup end and the MarTech platforms, so defining a MarTech meaning those solution providers where they're focusing on tech. I speaking to them, I think you can get a lot more broader insights. Yeah, I think you're correct. You know, certainly a startup has less to lose and everything to gain by, you know, being innovative and trying and things out. And then also they have they have the freedom to fail, where sometimes a larger organization, you know, they're sort of precious on their resources. They don't want to, to bet too much on something that may not, you know, lead to revenue or prove successful down the long road. Absolutely. So tell me, you talked a little bit about your podcast. Why did you decide that you wanted to do a podcast? 
because I, I work, I am mostly by myself, I'm working by myself and I work with other contractors in other areas, you know, one of the challenges I experience in trying to develop this publication and community is, is actually, you know, networking is, is, is a limitation of mine. And, and I felt what's the best way I can continue learning and connecting with other people. And I thought podcasting is a way to do that. So I eventually just started to reach out to people who I thought are doing something interesting in this space and, and I started having a conversation with them. So the best way that you can you can learn is having a conversation with someone else. That was my driver in starting a podcast. So tell me about the podcast. Who are the type of people you're talking to? Like I was speaking, telling you before, it was more people from the startup area. So I spoke with Kiki Vonglinau, who he was the previous head of growth at HuffPost, and then she started her own media company. At the time, she was focusing on developing a channel platform agnostic mobile app for gender fluid communities because she identified that as a underserving audience and she was building a platform strategy when she was trying to capture an audience first around the product and then launch those products for them. I've spoken with someone else, Brian, I forgot his last name, but they're focusing on a, a science publication. He used to be one of the managing edit- editors at the MIT magazine and then i'm also speaking with people who offer the martech platform so speaking with someone else who did about polling and how you know this day and age the polling technology is limited and they're trying to act, offer interactive polling solutions for readers in order to get better audience engagement insights and and drive more personalized content so i'm speaking with a wide range of people and and i'm not making specific to the us i'm, I'm trying to make a global so that we can get a global perspective on on these issues and, and trying to uncover new insights. And it's interesting that you, you mentioned the, the U.S. And you, you spoke to people from the U.S. and uh, that you've got this global uh, focus. I mean, you're, we're, you're, we're talking now, you're in Australia, you're based in Australia. Yeah, how different is the media landscape down in Australia? When I started instead of the publishing, I, I decided to look at the U.S. first because when I was doing my initial research in the Australian market, I wasn't able to get as much information initially around how publishers were working and a lot of the publishers now, the main publishers here at that time were not really focusing on audience development and SEO and in the US audience development was a very key, big driver and a lot of the mobile strategies that you were seeing and reading in terms of the news, it came from the US so I see the US and the UK as a more established market and a more competitive market Australia now is currently, like, we've got Fairfax and uh, News Corp, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and a lot of publishers are mostly working from there, or they're working in magazine publishers that are still starting to focus on digital as their main digital first. So I still see that there's a transformation that's happening here. There are some savvy online-only digital first publishers, but they're sort of still a dime in a dozen, and there's only a few that are working in each public industry. I still think that there's still that transformation that's happening, um, and a double down on digital now in, in the Australian market. So is, is it that they're still relying heavily on print advertising? They haven't sort of made that transition yet? It's now where they're not relying on it anymore. So until maybe a year ago, they were still probably relying on it, and they were, sp- they were crying foul on Google and Facebook, when we've seen the platform change, it's just it's forced them to, to really change their approach. 
I did an interview with Daniel Cronin, who the Brisbane editor of the Brisbane Times, which is part of the Fairfax Media Group here, and which is now merging with with Nine Entertainment, which is another publisher. There's a consolidation happening in in this media industry here. And pretty much now they've actually just released paid subscriptions for specific cities where before they were just trying to rely on advertising revenue from the newspapers, which is not working anymore. So they're actually now really focusing on just trying to drive revenue from the subscription products online. Do you see that the Australian audience is willing to pay for content online through subscriptions? Not as much as the US, but Netflix has played a big factor in making that a more palatable and more the people are more accepted towards that as a result i think because they're seeing the value of premium content across other different mediums like ott or other different areas or subscription gifting is another one as well which has become more mature i think now people are realizing the value of premium content subscription content yeah and that's the that's what we have seen in the last few years here in the u.s and you're you're correct. I think Netflix is is one of the drivers. Netflix and platforms like them, where people suddenly realize that hey, maybe it's worthwhile to pay for this this premium content, and maybe they they'll you know take that next step and say maybe I'll spend extra money to pay for this premium news content, which again you know goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the, the conversation. You know, how to make your content interesting for people. You know, how to be digital first. How to how to think about SEO and people to find your quality content and, and hopefully convert them into subscribers. That's sort of the tough stuff. So, you know, how would you describe yourself? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you, are you uh, somebody who's in technology and in marketing business? How would you define yourself? I think I'd describe myself as someone who's, who's in technology and marketing and he's, he's trying to come up with a solution for journalists, for digital media publishers, because um, I'm not a journalist by trade. I'm not an editor by trade. And and I'm, I'm trying to. I want to stay humble and saying I'm I'm not an entrepreneur because my project is still a work in progress. Uh huh. Would you mind me asking what your day job is? I'm actually more narrowly focusing on SEO for publishers, consulting. Mm-hmm. I still do consulting. Okay. You know, since you can consult as long as you don't, we don't don't give away too many secrets. I mean, with SEO, what is it that people are still doing that that maybe they should be thinking differently about? Particularly in the Australian market, just really building up the evergreen evergreen traffic, just the organic search. I still see that's not something that's being emphasized more on understanding uh, search trends and really looking at new tech opportunities like like Chrome, Google Chrome recommendations for you, or it might be just better optimizing your Google News strategy. Some of the basics. It's still that question of you know marketing and editorials on one side and and sales is the other side. There's a mountain of riches in your your evergreen content and, and stuff that is still of interest that may not be quote unquote new but still is relevant to your audience, especially things that are seasonal or things that are that are not so much based on on the news cycle. We produce so much content sometimes that they can be described as evergreen and it and we feature it on our website you know, when it's new and then it sort of disappears into the back end of your website, never to be seen from again. And that's why things like, you know, good SEO strategies of how to, you know, repurpose that content and and how to resurface it are kind of key. Absolutely. And I think people need to understand that your homepage isn't the first, only the first page that comes on your website. Every single page on your website matters. 
So it's thinking that even seasonal posts, like it might be a, a fall guide to something, a specific topic, people will still come to that page, even if, if it's to a lesser extent, but at a certain time of year, people might come to it more. There's going to be life in every single piece of content that you have, and it's a matter about how you maximize that value and provide that value every day to them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sort of talking about this, this idea of what your your homepage is, people think so much about their homepage. And, and I think for a lot of publications, homepages are, are really important because they're a way to sort of present your, your identity, but that's not, you know, the end of what your, your website is or what your publication can be. And as we see more, you know, more traffic being pushed to our websites via search, as opposed to, you know, regular listeners just coming to our homepage, the homepage of itself becomes less important as a front door. It's more of maybe as a collection space for content. But yeah, the point you're, you're saying is if if you have good SEO across your website, you continue to grow your Google traffic, you know, people are going to find you, you're, you're, they're going to find stories in your website and discover you through content that may be months or maybe even years older. So then it becomes really important where you have to develop a you know, cross-clicking strategy as well, how to get people from one story to the next and returning to you. Exactly. And that's something that I'm really focusing on now. And I think what, yeah, one of the things that we spoke about before was around what's the feedback that I've gotten so far on the website. And really try, trying to, the messaging is something that I'm really focusing on, trying to make it super clear at the moment because there are people who, who get it, but more for the broader audience when they look at and try to understand what they're getting out of the subscription. I find that it's still limited to the join now and the homepage and, and really trying to navigate people through to seeing that you're not just going to get a what is article because yes, it is one of the tactics or strategies that are used to help drive traffic because it is more evergreen, it's more common, but there are actually more deeper in topics and insights that are going to help you on your day to day. Yeah, and that's why it's important to always develop quality content, stuff that people are going to going to want to come to your website for and it also helps to build your brand and your expertise that Correct. that they they seek you out as an expert in whatever this particular topic is. It's that and it's also and why I want to build up the community driven model is because I only know what I know to a certain extent and there's other people that know more things and, and bringing that collective experience is what's going to increase the value of, of state of the publishing over time and it's not, not going to be just driven by me. It's not about me, it's about a bigger issue that we're trying to solve here and it's, it's about trying to navigate people towards newer models and understanding that tech and new media is the way to, to achieve those new models. So that's why it's really important that we get as many people who offer their opinions and perspective whether or not it is, if they want to offer for free, they can offer for free, and it's always going to be published and for people to read. Or if if they want to be, if they want their work to be credited and and more valued, then yes, you've got the option of people reading it behind the subscription. You know, it's something I keep hearing over and over again. This idea that, you know, as we've moved away from this idea that the the press is the collects the news and broadcasts it and and decides what you find important. You know, it's important for us to listen to the readers. And they're going to tell us what the type of news they want to hear and the things that they value by the traffic, by the fact that they subscribe to us, by the fact that they re- return to our website. But even the next step beyond that is, is you know, how to leverage their expertise to enrich your content and create this kind of community around your website and around your content. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, I think. Correct. That's right. 
and it's also looking at the different players in the market as well. So, you know, in order to get, get insights, you know, we've got the audience developers slash editors slash journalists. And then you've also got people who are just people like I spoke to you about MarTech vendors who are offering solutions for publishers. And then you've also got startup companies who are trying to innovate and trying to develop their trying to be entrepreneurial. So we've got those three personas in the market and it's and it's looking at also how you try to get all their perspectives and also trying to develop that feedback loop or that um, habit loop where people are reading your website because they're interested in all those different angles or trying to capture those three different personas. Trying to bring it bring it all together to create a you know a community, a single source for where people can share and, and learn and, and, and get smarter about it and improve the, you know, improve, improve whatever they're trying to do, whether they're trying to get informed by the, reading the content that you're doing or whether they're trying to gain new skills to become better journalists, better storytellers, et cetera. So let's talk about, about trends, technology trends. What are the, the big trends that you're seeing in digital publishing over the last couple of years? Michael, I think something which has been really throughout the year that hasn't worked well and has been treated as a success, success like podcasting. Uh, people have spoken a lot, a lot about podcasting throughout the Wii and trying to monetize that, and it's become more mature, but I haven't seen much publishers. There's only been the bigger publishers that have seen returns from that because they have a lot more sizable audiences, but a lot where we're seeing, I've seen conversation and I've been posting around is around AI journalism and about voice journalism. So really looking at Amazon Echo or Google Home as a content distribution platform and method to do that. And a lot of publishers are testing in that space. So, and there's another conference where I noticed that the three V's, voice, visual, and there's another one that they're focusing on. So there's a three V's that people are focusing on in trying to really diversify the content and, and trying to drive more value to the audiences. I think that's where the, the direction for next year, at least, is where the publishing is headed. I have also heard about the different platforms like Alexa and Echo and, you know, how publishers are getting involved in that. But I also think, you know, from a broadcast perspective, I think there are people who are looking at, you know, a platform like Alexa as a way to, you know, get audio content, you know, news briefs, even podcasts into, you know, into your daily routine again. You know, it's a platform of distribution for audio content radio stations and there's also audio episodes as well is something as well that's being experimented um, but again it's not something that's being effectively monetized at the moment it's still in the experimental stages Vahe thanks for being on the podcast thanks for sharing your information about the state of the digital publishing I urge people to check out your website there's a lot there is a lot of useful information there but also to check out your podcast as well thanks thanks Michael appreciate your time You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. It's 2019. Don't you think it's time to sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast delivered straight to you in a weekly email. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.